0: Welcome to Inside the Tunnel, brought to you by VT Scoop 24-7 Sports. My name is Andrew Alex, Evan G. Watkins. Nowhere to be found today, but Mattay and Doug are here. What's going on, boys?
1: Uh, Not much. Uh, Andrew just bailed out of our Fantasy Golf League, so I wanted to just make that known before.
0: Okay, well, I'll clarify to the folks at home who think that I would do something like bail. No, you did do it. There are four segments to this Fantasy Golf season. This one happens to include no tournaments that, I mean, which honestly would make it interesting, uh, but no tournaments that actually people care about. So I got That's four fantasy football teams to manage, uh, already way too much. I'm in a fantasy baseball playoff race right now. So You're busy. I am busy. Plus, I got two podcasts, a job, a thriving oh. social life.
1: Oh, all right. A,
2: a bit of a drinking problem. But, but hey, how are you? <laughs> i'm okay I, i'm still in mourning i'm up in new york i had a different game day experience than you two gentlemen i went to the jets bills game opener as a neutral fan um i'm a green bay fan wanted to see aaron Rodgers, and we well, i did not even see him physically i made it after he got hurt <laughs> i was stuck in traffic there was a big storm in the northeast i was stuck Made it towards the end of the first quarter and (laughs) saw the update on my phone as I'm driving to MetLife Stadium. So I did not see Aaron Rodgers. I'm still in mourning. So that's the
1: bad part about technology. Like it would have been funnier if you finally got to the stadium and you were like, wait, why is Zach Wilson in the game? Right. I mean, like
2: (laughs) at that point, I was stuck in three hour traffic. I left way earlier than the game. I see the bright lights of MetLife Stadium. I'm so eager to see Aaron Rodgers. And right as I look out at the MetLife in perfect LED lights, I get that update from ESPN. You saw his Achilles fade off into the distance. Just And all Jets fans, it was silent as we arrived. Silent.
0: (laughs) Thoughts and prayers to the Jets fans. Thoughts and prayers specifically to Evan K. Hughes of the VT Broadcast Network. Uh, it's like God just wants to take Evan, push him down, and you know, kick him a couple times every year. And you know, that seems to be exactly what he is experiencing. Uh, you know, right about now.
2: So but I think to the game though. Yeah, that was that that was incredible. <laughs> Overtime punt return, maybe a trip. I didn't really see it live, but whatever. A win's a win.
0: A win is a win for sure. And also shout out to that bar in Milwaukee that made their thing. Jets lose. Your bar tab's free. Rogers goes down. You know, suddenly maybe uh, a crowd. And if you know anything about Wisconsin, you know the crowd in Wisconsin on any day, regardless of the deal, is not going to be particularly conservative with their alcohol intake. Uh, So they took it to the whole next level, right? Thinking (laughs) Wilson's in. Bill's got this in the bag and uh, you know, if you want to see something funny, search up the, uh, the local newscast from that bar as the punt return happens, the guy is doing the stand up, and you can just see the faces in the background, of all the people who are realizing that all those beers and drinks that they bought throughout the day. Uh, yeah. They actually are going to have to pay up for that right now. It's not on the house. Uh, so that's amazing. Uh, shout out to that rookie dude from hard knocks, taking it to the house and saving a, uh, the house in Milwaukee will be projected to be probably thousands and thousands of dollars and they actually probably made a ton, right? Because more than they otherwise would on a Monday night, Brilliant. but I digress. Cause that's not what people came here to listen to or hear about <laughs> or what have you, uh, Virginia tech football, the undefeated season is over in what was, and I know Doug was there, at least for me, the most unique, game day experience uh in my decade plus of being a virginia tech fan uh and it it was a weird one and for most of the game it was somewhere between disappointing and boring with the exception of uh a nice little stretch run there in the second quarter but it's amazing what you'll see from the fans and we see this with every school right doesn't matter if it's Alabama or UVA fans aren't happy when you lose. And sometimes overreaction Sunday can be taken to a whole new level. Either way, people were not happy with the way things went down, notably in the second half with Virginia Tech against Purdue. Doug, on a scale of one to 10 in alarm fires, what alarm fire is this? 10 alarm fire? disband the program, turn Lane Stadium into an extended parking lot, or did you leave the game more confident?
1: <laughs> he couldn't even say that. Assuming lying.
0: somewhere, assuming somewhere in between, that's why I give you a scale of one to ten.
1: Uh, I think I'm still right in the middle. Like you're definitely concerned about running game and the run defense. I mean, those are just critical areas that Tech is not good enough in. Definitely concerned about Grant Wells. He's, you know, we, we talked a lot about the competition, about Kyron Jones, and I'm sure we'll talk about him in a little bit, but, like, Grant Wells was, they competed all offseason spring practice into August, and Grant Wells was deemed the better quarterback and thus the starter, and now he's, you know, it looks like he's pretty banged up. I don't know. I doubt he's going to play this weekend. I guess there's a chance that he plays at less than 100%. He's already not good enough at a hundred percent. So like a lesser Grant Wells doesn't feel worth it to me to play him. So um that's but so yes, concern about that there's you know, there's sparks to the fire, there's sparks to the flames there, I guess, is what I'm saying. But like overall this was a team that we agreed was like a six and six year would be a an achievement. Like a worthy uh worthy destination for where this season ends up. I think that's I'm a little more concerned about it now than I was I'm definitely more concerned about it now than, you know, two weeks ago. Um, but I also think it's a long season and this is a young team and we knew that going in and like, you certainly didn't expect perfection or crisp play or like there was going to be growing pains. Um, the injuries are definitely causing some uh, tougher growing pains and, than you would have hoped at this point um but like it kind of like if six and six if everyone agrees that six and six is a pretty good achievement for this team you're 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 admitting that this is gonna be a roller coaster of a season like there is no smooth ride to six and six seasons like it's you're gonna some some games are gonna be terrible some are gonna be all right some wins are gonna be all right and some wins are gonna be all right maybe we're going in the right direction. Um, so like, I think the run game, I think overall, you know, the lack of a running game and the lack of a run defense right now is the, are the two things that lead this, that turn this into three and nine, two and 10 type stuff. Um, but I think we're a long way from knowing if this is like a if this is a persistent problem that it's never going to improve this season. So like, I'm kind of in wait and see and acknowledge the fact that like we all pretty much agreed. This was going to be, this is going to be quite a journey this season.
0: Matei, essentially the same question to you, right? Are you, are you up in arms? Cause look, I mean, in reality, you came to any of us, on Friday night, and you said, "You know, seven point loss to Purdue." We'd all probably say, "Well, that sounds like uh, really in the uh, really high probability within the wide range of outcomes that could potentially happen in this one." Uh, but people aren't happy. Right? So, where do you stand?
2: Yeah, I mean, if you look at the final score, I'm not surprised at all. This was a toss-up game from the beginning. Purdue's a decent team. Uh, You know, Virginia Tech is kind of in that same category. Um, They're not a bad team. They're still figuring things out. But I think it's the way in which Virginia Tech finished this game. And, you know, having to bring in Kyron Drones on the last drive because Grant Wells is so banged up and he can't go and he can't operate in the running game – you know the offensive line just once again not being able to create anything for the running backs and then your wide receivers which were the lone bright spot of the offense and your pass catchers uh you lose ollie jennings early on in the game jalen lane you know he should be fine by next weekend but you know that's something to keep an eye on if he has a hamstring injury that keeps lingering on throughout the season you know definitely affects his punt return as well and then you know Daquan Wright, who finally shows up and we talk about his big play potential as a as a pass catcher, he's also someone that goes down the last drive. So it's like you're one trick pony on offense in terms of your passing game and your starting quarterback, two of your tight ends, two of your wide receivers are now injured after week two. I think that's where the concern lies, that they haven't shown us anything in terms of creating a run game. And, you know, maybe it's a blessing in disguise that Kyron drones, who, you know, is the more dynamic athlete. And we've talked about it all offseason. The offensive line is the biggest concern about this football team bringing in Kyron. You know, like even when we were talking about who's going to be the starting quarterback later on in the season, I think a lot of us were open to the possibility that drones could be in there simply because he takes off some of that pressure. So moving forward I'm still open to seeing this run game improve I don't think we're going to see any dramatic changes in terms of the offensive line they kind of are what they are right now Uh, there's clearly a lack of talent and it you know it needs a couple cycles to build up or some more transfer portal talent but at this point in the season you got to see if Tyler Bowen can create something with Kyron who you know week one he's this guy that's coming in a couple drives week two he's sitting idly by until the last drive it looks like it's going to be his show this weekend and I think they have to change things and we're going to have to see the adaptability and like Doug was saying this entire season is about growth and this is a huge opportunity for Tyler Bowen to create an offensive game plan that goes to the strengths of drones you're going to have other wide receivers there that have to step up but it's not gonna be the passing attack that we've seen the first two weeks. It's gonna to have to be a more balanced approach and it's gonna be a really tough test against Rutgers.
0: Yeah, I mean, we, we know we're not gonna see Jennings against Rutgers. I'm curious about the status of Lane. It's uh, I mean, I'm curious about the status of Grant Wells, obviously, because he's clearly you know good enough post-injury to go try and play. I mean, obviously there was a clear drop off in execution for him. Uh, that would lead some to believe that maybe the coaches should have taken him out earlier. Uh, I think hindsight's always 20 20 in that regard because no player is ever going to say, I just want a quarterback battle. I'm a little banged up. Take me out, coach. Give him a shot.
1: Right. They also, they're also not going to take them, themselves out disregarding the quarterback. Like everybody loves playing and like playing through injury, especially as a captain of the team. Like that's kind of like, I don't want to say expected, but like, like yeah. if he had played through injury and won that game, like he would have been hailed as like this hero toughed it out. And like, you know, it's like the, the old Byron Leftwich clip when he was getting carried down the field by his offensive line. Like that's a, that's a thing that is natural for quarterbacks to do. And like for people to want quarterbacks to do, yeah. it's only I mean, when it doesn't work out when people are like, ah, oh, you should have taken him out when he was clearly too hurt to play but it's not really Uh, and again
0: that's why coaches coaches make millions of dollars to indeed make decisions that aren't necessarily easy you never believe a player uh when you ask him about his own injury but you need to be able to make uh assumptions based on what your own two eyes can see and uh you know he wasn't getting on that front foot ball was not a little sloppy and obviously like the rest is history that being said two drones performance there was a little bit of a spark but i'll be honest right and you know you love to see drones in you love to see uh some of the stuff he was able to do he was still 2 and 7 passing on the day they were unable to win when he came in uh you know you had like a quick completion there and then it fizzled um and yet like online there's a lot of people like willing to crown him the king now and disregard the fact that Wells looked good against ODU, Wells looked good until he got hurt against Purdue, right? Like, are are, are we jumping up this guy so quickly?
2: I don't think so. I mean, it, in a perfect world where Grant Wells is completely healthy and is able to at least move around in the pocket, he's going to be the star like, – Virginia Tech has established that it's Grant Wells' team unless he can't go. And I think, you know, we'll talk about it in the preview, but I think all of us are in the mindset that Grant probably can't go next weekend and it's going to be Kyron Drones. But as soon as Wells is healthy again, like they clearly favor him. Like it's, it's not really, I know they talked about having two quarterbacks and having a starter, but it's, it's Wells as the one a bunch of space, and then it's Kyron. Like that's that's how they consider this. I know fans are always typically gonna look to the bench, see the guy that you know was this big time athlete, four star prospect, um, you know, big whatever, you know, just dual threat quarterback and and can launch the ball down the field and can run. And you know, everyone wants to to go towards the unknown. And we haven't seen too much of drones, you know, even in the time that he was playing, like. He was trying to launch the ball downfield into double coverage. He didn't really have a lot of, you know, the 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 playbook wasn't advantageous towards him. And so people are saying if you give him time to prepare as the starter and give him better options, like, he'll look a lot better. We'll learn a lot more about what Drones is, how raw he is against Rutgers than anything we've seen so far.
1: Yeah, the, like, everything the coaches have done tells us that the drones-Wells competition wasn't particularly close. Everything they've said says it was close, and they want to play drones and all that. It, everything they've actually done from choosing Wells as a starter to uh, going up against a, a five-man defensive front that you knew was going to be a challenge to traditionally run the ball Purdue's defensive front. Everybody knew it was going to be almost impossible to run the ball with Tootin and Thomas, like with Wells in the game, and and it took them, and they did not even try and use drones as a another number back there, basically to generate some kind of unique numbers advantage before even before drones actually went into the game, and then they waited until. You know, Wells got hurt, I think it was the last play of this, or last series of the, of the first half, and it took until, I don't know how many possessions Tech ended up with in the second half, but it took until the very end of the game for them to finally get to the point where they were like, we have to get to drones, and it's not like they didn't know that Wells was hurt or they gave Wells multiple, multiple possessions after knowing he was hurt and struggling before they finally got to the point where they said, all right, we have to go to drones now. Like None of that inspires confidence that that was a particularly close competition or that drones is close to Wells right now. Um, so unless, you know, unless something major happens here, but but between the now and the time Wells gets actually healthy, I think you got to go back to Wells once, once he once he heals and is able to go. Um, I think that's just clear from like what's actually happened this year that the 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 gap there is significant enough to where you're trying to get Wells back as quickly as possible.
0: I, I mean, I I can't disagree with you, but I want to go back to something that Matei said a little bit earlier. Maybe it was Doug. Who knows? You guys are like, you know, Siamese twins to me. You know, it's weird not seeing you together, even though every time I've ever met you guys in person, you have not been together. (laughs) That's besides the point. All right. (laughs) You talk about Tyler Bowen's ability to create a game plan that suits the skill set of Chiron Drones. I think what I've seen and what a lot of fans would echo is that Tyler Bowen has shown an inability to adjust the game plan to the talent that he has in his season and some change as the offensive coordinator in Blacksburg. What gives you faith that he's going to do it now?
1: I don't have any faith. Um, (laughs) I I don't. Uh, Last last season, Virginia Tech spent the whole off season implementing their offense. And the decision was that they were going to be a two tight end, run the ball lineup and run the ball offense. Uh, And that was the wrong decision and the wrong evaluation and the wrong plan from the beginning. And it took them until I think it was the Miami game last year where Brent Pride was finally like, this ain't working. Um, This year they, I mean, Tyler Bowen talked about it all off season. They, they spent a lot of time on the running game on improving the rushing attack. They upgraded the room. They changed running backs coaches. They, they they, admittedly spent a lot of time trying to come into the season with a good running game, and it is one of the worst rushing attacks in the country. Um, it has not worked. It's, I, I don't know how you can have any confidence now that Tyler Bowen has a second offensive scheme in his back pocket that he's ready to roll out um, with you know three days of practice this week before the game with drones as the quarterback I just you know it's uh he talked he's he's at least talked that drones are claimed that drones is not a packaged quarterback and is capable of running the full virginia tech offense so maybe it's not that much different and he's just gonna like call more quarterback runs than he would with wells but like I just don't have much confidence in the scheme right now for Virginia tech at any level based on what's happened. And now you're like, I mean, you're changing quarterbacks to the guy that you decided was the worst quarterback and you're doing so without your number one receiver with your number two receiver, who's got a, you know, hamstring. And we know hamstrings are not particularly, really, um, you know, forgiving injuries. So like, I mean, I don't, I don't, people, people, uh, people did not like Brad Cornelson by the time he, by the time his tenure as Virginia Tech's offensive coordinator ended, but the switch to Hendon Hooker, to the Hendon Hooker offense in 2019 worked and was effective and all of that stuff. I I don't think that's in the cards here.
0: Well, one thing I've always said about, Brad Cornelson's offense, right? Brad Cornelson's offense would seemingly limit the talent of like a good player, right? With the exception of, you know, say Khalil Herbert running around in circles that one year. Uh, but you know, we saw what Hendon Hooker could do when you opened it up at Tennessee, and of course, he probably improved some. Uh, but at the same time, you know, he made Josh Jackson look pretty good. I and mean, then you see, you know, no offense to Josh at Maryland, maybe it's different competition, but, you know, he he wasn't quarterback that he looked like at Virginia Tech. But so what I'm saying is it was a great offense to coat your weaknesses. Whereas the offense that Tyler Bowen is trying to implement seems like it would probably do very well if you had a lot of talent all over that offense. I mean, almost any offense in college football would. But, yeah, two tight ends, pound the rock. If you got a good offensive line, a good running back, and then, you know, a, a, even just a trustworthy quarterback like they had for years. And what's his name at Penn State? He seemed like he was there for Nick a decade. What was that? Trace McSorley. Or Sean Clifford. 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 But, but both are correct answers based on the description <laughs> that was given. Um, but, yeah, so I, I – I, I feel like a calculated risk-based offense with drones, knowing what we know about him might be good, but I, who knows I, if they're going to go out and run the real offense. It's a good opportunity for drones to go out there and prove himself. And Because by the indications that you would get from the coach's decision-making so far, exactly to your point, Doug, is that they do not have a ton of faith in this guy's ability to execute the offense as they would intend.
1: Yeah, you're always going to, like, everyone always talks about do you recruit the players to fit the system or do you fit the system to the players you have? And it's it's more kind of both. Like, you recruit the players the best you can to fit what you want to run and then you kind of tweak around the edges and mold. Like, nobody's running a completely different offense every year just based on their personnel. They're kind of molding the program as they need but, and, and then tweaking and, and making it unique and, and to best – take advantage of the strengths and minimize the weaknesses any each and every year and and that's just not happening here like it just didn't happen last year hasn't looked like it's happened in two games like tech tech apparently i guess thought their offensive line was a much better run blocking offensive line at least as far as they claimed publicly and, and they i doubt they thought they were this bad run blocking but like there had to be some some flashing red warning lights about like this is not great and like the offense should have probably been tweaked heading into the season, accounting for that. Unless they just didn't see it and like didn't account for it and didn't think it was that bad. Which, if that's the case, then that's then that's a problem
0: for sure. For sure. Again, it's uh it's tough seeing a running game this bad. It really is, like far more outmatched teams week to week seem to be putting out better numbers on the ground than Virginia tech. And it's a problem. Like you gotta, you gotta find a way to make it work. But uh, I guess we'll turn it over. And I guess we've already kind of smoothly transitioned into a preview, but uh, what do we know about Rutgers, Doug? We know that uh, Rutgers beat Northwestern who lost to Southern Illinois So that's cool. Uh, They beat Temple, who's just terrible. (laughs) Uh, They're stopping the run very well to this point. They were doing it against those teams. But based on general assumptions, those teams have probably shown more on the ground than Virginia Tech at this point this year. So we'll call it a match of strength on weakness. Is that the story here?
1: Yeah, I Rutgers is like I wrote in my game. It's this is all coded in like a thick layer of who knows because they haven't really played anybody. Um, you know they played Northwestern. Who I mean, looking at Virginia Tech, you could argue Northwestern's kind of close to where Virginia Tech is as a team right now. Like they're not that much worse than Virginia Tech. Um, but like you know, I think Rutgers. And it kind of makes sense since Greg Schiano is in his fourth season now. Is like what Brent Pry aspires for Sheen Tech to be. Um they're not a good offense, but they do run the ball like persistently and repeatedly, and that's their identity, is they are a running team and they're gonna they're gonna do everything they can to have success with it. The passing game is like uh they they dabble in it. It's nothing they they know if they're relying on the passing game, they're losing the game. Um they're they're their formula for winning games is they're going to run the ball over and over and over again. They're going to sprinkle in some passes, and then they're going to rely on a really good defense. And that's it. And they're just going to do that. Um, I think Virginia Tech would love to be that team right now. And would love to get there where you're just run the clock, run the ball, ball control, pound the other team. And, you know, when your defense is on the field, you, you are confident that, you know, your stronger unit is on the field. Um, Rutgers hasn't played anybody, so their defensive numbers are superb. Um, you look at them all, and you're like, that's a really good defense. Um, they do have some excellent players that are going to, that um, have, you basically have to go back to last year to be like, all right, is this defense, like, legit, legit, or is this kind of fluky because it's weak competition? I I, I would tend to say they're more legit than they are fluky because they've got a lot of returners, guys like Aaron Lewis, the defensive end, uh, Deion Jennings, the linebacker, Flip Dixon, the safety. Like these guys have played a lot of Big Ten football and they were pretty good. So it's not surprising that they are again pretty good. And that's gonna pose an issue for Virginia Tech's offense, given everything we've talked about right now. So it's like this is not the team that I would be that I would want to play. If I was Virginia Tech right now, I would not want to play this team, which is You know, experienced almost all of their defense is juniors or seniors, or every single starter is a junior or senior. Like, this is an experienced team that knows who they are and knows what they want to do. And Virginia Tech is not that. That's a bad matchup. Matang, the birthplace
0: of college football. I want you to take the 10,000 foot view here. What does this game mean to the state of New Jersey? <laughs> I'm kidding. We're just overall, what do you think of?
2: <laughs> wow. I didn't, didn't even know, know how to answer that. Um, I mean, yeah, like Doug was saying, this is, you know, <laughs> I think Rutgers is the number three ranked team in terms of rushing yards allowed. They give up, like, 40 per game. That's the big over-under to look at. Will Virginia Tech get over 40 rushing yards? Um, Obviously, a little skewed based on the competition they've played. A couple familiar faces, they have Tyreen Powell, who was a one-time Virginia Tech commit. Um, Their entire front seven is massive, looks built for the Big Ten. Um, And then another interesting note is just that their left tackle is six foot eight and 350 pounds. Uh, So that's going to be an interesting one for APR. Um, Also, I think uh, we didn't mention it in injuries, but I'm curious to see if... If Keyshawn Burgos, what his status is for this game, um, you know, obviously, I think it's going to be really rough for the Virginia Tech offensive line. This is not the type of game that they look to succeed in. And I'm curious to see. I know there was some mention about maybe rotating some other guys Um I don't know if you want to do that against a front like Rutgers, but you may have no other choice. But all in all, this is not a Rutgers team that, even though they have a really good defense, they have a quarterback who's historically thrown around 50%. Um, they have some weapons at wide receiver and a Boston College tight end transfer, but it's not – like a completely scary offense. Like, I'm not super worried about how Virginia Tech matches up against this Rutgers offense. I think it's that Big Ten-style running game that kind of, you know, takes you out little by little and breaks you down slowly, extends drives, and they found more success with it last week against Temple. And I'm worried that it's going to kind of be a game where it's very close. And if Virginia tech had a semblance of a run game, they could hold up, but eventually in the third and fourth quarters, we're going to see Rutgers kind of doing what they want, either resulting in, you know, long field goal drives, um, long drives that result in field goals, or they pull away late. So this is a game where I can see, like I would Like my prediction is going to be Ruckers wins this game like 27 to 13. I don't think it's going to be a barn burner, but I think it's going to be a frustrating day for Virginia Tech fans to watch the Virginia Tech offense. And then later on in the game, I can just see Rutgers just running away with it.
0: Doug, anyone particularly talented to watch or – Keys to the game, what do you think of the seven point spread? Got so many questions for you <laughs> look
1: good today. Uh, thank you. Um, Lewis is definitely the defen- the defensive lineman, Aaron Lewis. He's playing a little inside outside. Uh, I think he had 40 quarterback pressures last year. Legitimately, like, really good big 10 defensive lineman. He's gonna probably. I mentioned Deion Jennings, there's. Their, their three linebackers are the number one, two, and three top linebackers in the Big Ten according to PFF so far. Again, competition, but that's that's impressive. Um, Tyreen Powell, who was a one-time Virginia Tech recruit three years ago now, um, he's played really well, 6'4", 240 now. He's grown up. Um, he went from a 49 PFF grade as a freshman to like a 61 last year, and now he's like a He's above 80 right now. So, like, that's solid player development. I would, um, I think it's the corner, Robert Longerbeam. Uh, he's allowed four catches on 12 targets this year, 33% reception percentage. That's that's the best number in the power five, um, as a cover corner. Again, Temple, Northwestern, they're not testing you much. Uh, but then again, if Ollie Jennings and Jalen Lane don't play, I'm not sure Virginia Tech's receivers are gonna be testing. Ruckers very much so I mean I think those Matei hit the nail on the head like their offense is decent to average like no, nobody there scares me I actually think Tech secondary could dominate this game defensively in terms of like Monster Delaney and Doran Strong and Derek Kendi could lock down the, the wide receivers and really allow Virginia Tech to zero in on the run that would be ideal that would be like They could commit all those numbers to stopping to to limiting the run game, then then you start to talk about all right, maybe Tech can can slow Rutgers down or limit the run enough to to hang around and win this one. Um, I also think Gavin Wimzat is the quarterback for for Rutgers. Like Matei said, fifty percent completion percentage. He is he's a threat on the ground, but like in the air is dicey right now for him. So that's an area like if Tech's secondary. Can make some big plays. Like interceptions are not wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if if Tech had a couple picks here against against at with their secondary. So um, that's an area I think the key to the game for Virginia Tech, Andrew. You asked that along with uh, several other questions. Um, is the field position? It's turnovers, like I just said, with the secondary. If Virginia Tech can can swing field possession field position and give. Their offense, whoever's playing quarterback, probably Kyron Jones shorter fields than Rutgers is doing, then then they'll have a chance to win a tight one. So if you start if you see Virginia Tech winning that field position battle, um things are probably going at least better than expected and maybe even in the right direction. So um big turnovers will be big and special teams will be big. Tucker Holloway on punt returns. Um I hope they don't put Jalen Lane back there. With a with a shaky hamstring. So I, I assume it'll be Tucker Holloway. But if they can swing, you know, three possessions and win something twenty-three to twenty, I could you could talk me into that, but I think Matei's kind of on the right track. That more than likely this team knows what they are. This team being Rutgers, knows what they are and knows what they need to do, which is run the ball, which Virginia Tech hasn't proven they've been able to stop the run. Run fits are still a problem. You're playing Mos Phillips and Jalen Jones a lot as inexperienced safeties that are struggling to consistently build the lane that they're supposed to fill to make the, to stop the running plays. So um, I, I just think it's unlikely, but there I think field position is the path to a victory for Jane tech is going to, if, if they're going to pull it off, it's going to be because they, they swung the field position heavily.
0: And this Overall analysis, right? Is that regardless of who is the starting quarterback and regardless of if Jalen Lane can play? We know Jennings is out. Can we, and I think for all intents and purposes, I'm assuming that Lane as well as Wells are both not going to play. But just because it's in in question, in a world where it's all trickery, Wells and Lane are out there at full strength, Is your opinion on next chance to win change
1: overall? No, um, I think Lane could play. Um, I'm not sure at 100%. I I feel like hamstrings take longer, even at 22 years old. Hamstrings take longer than seven days to recover. Um, But I think Wells, if Wells is in the game, he's not 100%. And we saw him struggle to get away from pressure against Purdue at less than 100% like I think that's kind of the same situation this week even if he's in the game and I think that's a problem like that's just he he doesn't have based on his injury in last week it just doesn't look like he has the mobility to to extend plays to get out of pressure to 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 to, to turn you know a 7 yard loss as a sack into a throw away a, a zero yard play like there's he just doesn't if he's less than 100 he's still not going to be effective enough to, to change um change the direction of this game i think so i think it's i think it's whoever's playing quarterback like there's a very narrow to victory for virginia tech here um wells gives you a little more freedom i guess as a passer but you know i i, I don't think it's enough given that he's going to be less than 100 percent
0: Matei, parting thoughts and a score prediction.
2: I'm going to stick with the, I think I said 24 for Rutgers, 13 or 17. I'm going to go 13 for Virginia Tech. I think it's a tough game overall, just for what Virginia Tech has struggled with. I worry about late in the game just wearing down the defense on the field constantly. You're breaking in a new quarterback most likely in Kyron Drones. And I think there's gonna be we've seen elements the past two weeks of slow starts. If that's another factor in this game, and you're already playing from the back foot, I think, you know, having your defense out there for extended periods against a team like Rutgers that just wants to run the ball, I think that's a recipe for disaster. And then offensively, I think they're, you know, it's not all doom and gloom. I I, you know, as much as we've seen so many struggles for this Virginia Tech team specifically in the running game I think there are some things we haven't seen out of drones maybe you know even when they were talking about there's certain things that they want drones to do especially in an RPO offense if he's able to do you know if they're able to execute more outside runs like we've really seen them struggle on the interior especially with the offensive line not being able to pick up blocks and lead the running backs to the second level. He's another option back there. Drones is another option. If he's able to break one outside, I don't think that this Rutgers defense is really built for that type of offense, an offense that can get outside. and we've seen that Virginia Tech has some speed players. Um, misdirection, you know, that's that's what I'm expecting out of Bowen this week. More wrinkles in that regard, taking things outside. Um, but we just don't know if it's going to be effective yet. And we don't know how much exists. So Rutgers doesn't have all that much on drones in terms of tape if he is the starter. Um, so I think there are some things to look at there, but overall, I think, you know, if this game is played a hundred times, it's unfortunately, it just comes down to Rutgers is better, much better at the two things that Virginia tech really struggles against.
0: A, uh, a bad matchup at a bad time. And uh, the fact that it's come to the idea that this Rutgers game is going to be an upset if we win it, like a seemingly major upset in Vegas's eyes and the eyes of both fan bases going into the game. You know, we've fallen pretty far. We've fallen pretty far. But, all right, well, that's kind of going to wrap it up for us. Final parting thoughts. Uh let's just kinda go through a battle of our two uh our two kind of side teams here <laughs> took place last week as Colorado just beat the brakes up Nebraska.
1: I said that uh, was uh, Colorado happen. for real? I, I said that was gonna happen for the record. You did?
0: Yeah. Is it gonna continue to happen? The stretch for Colorado suddenly gets a lot tougher. You got to say, it's uh, yeah, the yeah best best conference Rio. in college football this year.
1: Yeah, I don't think so. I, I mean, they played, they surprised TCU, I think, and then they played Nebraska, who we can say, safely say this week is, is far from a good team. Um, once they get into that USC Oregon stretch, like you're dealing with significantly more talented teams and they're the tape is gonna be out on them. Like I they're I think they maybe they go bowling. Like six and six would be an amazing improvement there. Um but I can't see them like getting they're not like a top ten team all of a sudden. I just I just don't see that happening.
0: And as the schedule shakes out they would have six matchups with top twenty five teams that are currently ranked
2: remaining. Yeah, the Pac-12 is stacked this year. Yeah. In their final year. But Go I think out bang. I think Shador Sanders is legit and Travis Hunter is obviously awesome. But this feels like a team that is better than people expected. But I feel like once they start to lose, especially playing against elite teams in their conference, like I feel like the wheels will fall off hard. The other like, thing it, is like
1: they have to avoid what's happening to Virginia Tech right now, which is, like, the top of their roster is healthy right now, but the, how likely is that to persist through the whole year? Where, like, they're they're definitely a program where I can I can presume that once you get down to the second and third level of the depth chart, it's a pretty steep drop-off in terms of talent. And, and, like, we're seeing with Tech, like... <laughs> Ollie Jennings and Jalen Lane at, at wide receiver versus Daquan Felton and Steven Gosnell versus Tucker Holloway and du- Duan Lofton. Like once if you think they're gonna be lucky with the injury bug, then maybe they got a shot. But like I, I just can't see it against against that competition
2: that's coming up. Their backup quarterbacks for Colorado is one is a true freshman. I think it was recruit he was recruited under the former staff and then recommitted to Dion. And then they have a junior transfer from Neo AM College. Good old Neo AM. All right.
0: America's eyes turn to Reno. Kansas takes on Nevada. Doug, are the Jayhawks going bowling again this year?
1: I think so. Uh, I bet on Illinois last week. So I watched that game and was kicking myself because of. how how could i bet against kansas um they look great i mean they look like a competent really good football team again and daniels is a legitimate like game changer quarterback so is rena they're playing nevada Mm -hmm. yeah they should win that I, i haven't looked at the rest of their schedule but like i don't think the big 12 is that great this year uh so yeah
0: yeah, I mean, a, uh, a, big, a big battle on the road at Texas coming up in a couple of weeks. They have BYU following up against Nevada before they take on UCF for the first time in a conference matchup. We will keep you guys updated on Kansas if you are not paying attention all throughout the season. Last question for you guys. As the Big Ten Network in the 330 slot gets Rutgers Virginia Tech, the ACC Network is blessed with another ACC Big Ten battle as Duke hosts Northwestern. Final question of the podcast, Duke minus 18 and a half. Are what? you taking it? Holy cow. 18 no, I... and a half.
1: Elko, it's great. Riley Leonard's great. 18 and a half? That's wild. Duke is back. Duke is back? That's no. There's no way. No, I'm not taking
0: that. I guess I have to walk back on some fake news I spewed. Uh, Northwestern lost to Southern Illinois last year, which was hilarious. I forgot because they beat Nebraska in the first week and then they never won again. Uh, But yeah, Northwestern actually coming off a 38-7 win over the University of Texas, El Paso, uh, more commonly known as UTEP. So that should be interesting. UTEP with a win this season over Incarnate Word. But either way, you know, we're done. I actually (laughs) have a plane to catch to New Jersey. I go. For Doug Bowman, and I'm Andrew Alex, DT's Scoop, 24-7 Sports. Check out the website. Read Doug's really enthralling full preview of the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. I know you're interested. I know you're interested. We can add Rutgers to the fold. You know, everything we've talked about so far makes me think they're a really, really uh, enticing team to watch. So... We'll have to follow them throughout the rest of the season on this podcast too. But uh yeah. So I'll be there. Tay will be there. Doug will be enjoying from the comfort of his own couch. We hope to catch you, whether it be at the game or next week on the podcast. See you soon. As always. Go hookies.